There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Ford. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You, are, you cannot wipe the smile off my face as long as this weather is around, friend. <laughs> I am Jay Foreman, your bootleg uh, Tim the Tool guy, uh, wannabe, uh, dad fix it all in a 2021 style. Uh-oh. Now, listen, before we go any further... I got to hear about this because first of all, I don't even, I don't, are you actually handy? Would you consider yourself to be handy? I am when I have to be. And uh, you know what I do as I fight it too much. And uh, I had the idea that it was a, such a nice weekend with good weather up in the seventies. And I was going to go out there and uh, I decided I was going to try to stain the fence by hand. And it was, it was, it was good weather on Saturday, windy on Sunday that's a lot of work, man. I think either that or I'm just that much out of shape. So I just want to, I'll lean towards that. So I pivoted from that project. Uh, and then I did finish a couple things and build some shelves in the garage. So I'm, I'm handy when I need to be, uh, but maybe I'm just not as smart as I, as I used to be or should be uh, when it comes to uh, picking the right time to, uh, to finish and some projects that are, are a little bit more out of my realm as far as uh, the time and the effort to, to stain a fence. So there's a, I'm sure there are plenty of husbands out there and probably wives out there can, can, can attest to this. A lot of us like to start these projects and then never finish them. I can think of a few of them up top of my head that are in here. If my wife came down here, uh, she would let list them out for you. Are you one of those two? Or you start those bad boys so that did the, the defense get finished or did you pivot before it was done? No, we finished it. I finished it, it <laughs> but it was, it, I had limped to the finish line. Um, but usually I'll start a project and not finish. And there's probably numerous uh, lights that need to be replaced around the house, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I get to them in due time. And uh, I tried to see if I, it was such a nice day. I was like, oh, I'm going to get started early this year. And then uh, reality set in. Uh, I remembered how much of hard work is on your shoulder and when you're out of shape and stuff like that to uh, stay in the fence by hand. I need to invest into a, a spray or a spray gun, but uh I decided to do it myself and uh, I finished it, but uh, I learned my lesson. And they always say a hard head makes for a soft butt. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, my butt's pretty soft today. Yeah, I mean, listen, you sometimes you got to learn those lessons the hard way, but I, I definitely give you props uh, for, for diving into that. Before we go any further, though, I also have to give some props. We got a shout out International Women's Day uh, because that is today when we are recording this Monday, March 8th. Um, and specifically, I wanted to shout out because as I was thinking about this, uh, kind of the, the Husker women's sports who have really been uh, holding it down for Nebraska. You think about it, obviously, you know, volleyball, women's gymnastics, softball, basketball, uh, women's gymnastics, bowling, winning national championships. So, like, man, the, the, the female Huskers out there have definitely been holding it down and living up to their end of the bargain, especially in the Big Ten since they joined that. 
Yeah, they've been pretty consistent, and they've been kind of our bell cow. And so, you know, the, the women's volleyball team has obviously been uh, outstanding, both, you know, obviously winning, and then obviously, uh, you know, they just had a really good recruiting class. Um, and then, you know, the women's basketball team, are really – I like watching them. Yeah. Oh, well yeah. coached uh, by Coach Amy Williams. They exceeded expectations this year. Um, and so they're really good. I think gymnastics has always been good at Nebraska. Track has always been good at, at, at Nebraska. Softball, uh, you know, considering some of the stuff that they went through, like uh, in a really short time off the field, then you had COVID, uh, they came out the gate. So, uh, you know, you got to give it up to the women's sports. They're, they are, they both definitely are showing out and showing up. And uh, that's always good for any university, but in particular, Nebraska. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I feel like um, Nebraska, like, youth women's sports, um, like, girls' sports are also very – it's very important right here. You talk to people, like, especially the high school level with volleyball um, and softball, but, like, even, like, the, the little kids, like, that stuff, it kind of gets – you see how Nebraska has become very good at women's sports because it really starts at a young age, and it's pretty cool to see around here. Yeah, it is. And it's really taken off. And it's also to the national level. I think uh, when you look at Nebraska's volleyball recruiting class, you know, you, they're getting kids right here at Nebraska, you know, and keeping them in, you know, in state, but they're nationally ranked. And then you look at the basketball, um, you know, they just finished up the high school championships. And when you think of uh, the Markowski girls and, and, and in particular one that's going to come to Nebraska next year, uh, mm -hmm. they've been out doing that and traveling it through like the AAU circuits and the club team circuits, which, Markowski helped, I think, Andy Markowski, who's a former Husker, helped build a uh, girls' youth program, the Lasers, and they're really good. And there's other ones throughout Lincoln so and Omaha. And so you saw a lot of talent uh, in the high school level over the last couple of years, not only, um, you know, in basketball and volleyball. Those are two big ones. Uh, even from Lincoln East, you got, you know, Briley Hill, who's right there in Lincoln East. She's going to University of Nebraska uh, on a scholarship. So that's even big, you know, when you think about local. And then I saw uh, there was a girl – uh, that was from Nebraska. That's uh, one defensive uh, player of the year out there at the University of, of Wyoming. So they're spreading out and spreading all over the place. And it's really, really good. And I think it's something that's uh, been building up for a long time. And anytime that you can get national exposure, uh, whether it's male or female, but for in particular female, that's good for the whole state. So you got to give kudos not only to the college teams, it's also the, you know, the, the coaches that coach the youth, take them out and expand their horizons. And I think it's just one of those things when they got a little taste of being outside and competing against other kids, they brought it back here and it's actually elevated the whole landscape of high school sports at the high school level for as, as far as the females goes. And so that's a that's a really, really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now each week we start off, we have a couple of segments and we start off um, with our first one called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach player or a talking head said, and then we'll give you the straight up breakdown about what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Now, this week comes courtesy of my main man, LeBron James, uh, who had this to say after Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were kind of ruled out of the All-Star game uh, that happened over the weekend. Quote, well, I think it's very unfortunate that Joel and Ben won't be able to play in our game tonight, James said hours before the game after hearing about the situation. Obviously, they are two worthy All-Stars, and this means a lot to all of us, even no matter how you feel about having to be here. End quote. <laughs> so, Jay, what did LeBron mean by that statement? Uh, well, I mean, he's just what he said. They're good players, but, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of guys that didn't want to be at the All-Star game. They felt like they're tired, or, you know, obviously they should be tired with the way the season went. Um, obviously they felt like the the NBA, uh, you know, the big wigs, you know, promised them there wouldn't be an All-Star weekend, and then the magically there was. Obviously it's a moneymaker. Uh, things have opened up a little bit. 
so LeBron was getting it, you know, on both ends, you know, you know, maybe it's questionable how they, they, they got exposed to COVID, whether the, those two really wanted to be there. Yeah. But it was a barber a shop, right? Barber like shop. And maybe barber they, that got ex- that hit, tested positive. Right. And maybe they, you know, broke a little bit of a known protocol to, to go to the barber shop and X, Y, and Z, or maybe made it up. I don't really, I'd never want to put any words in like that, accuse anybody of that. But he was also saying that, you know, overall there's a lot of players that didn't want to be there. So they had to kind of take it on the chin. They want, you know, the relax some family time, let their bodies heal. Uh, then they had to go out there and, and play in an all-star game. So he was talking, you know, on both sides. He was talking about a little bit about the players. Obviously, they're, you know, worthy of being there. They've been really, really dominant in the East. And I think Joel Embiid has been, you know, maybe the MVP from start to finish. Um, yeah, he's on the short list. He's on the short list. He's either one or two. And, you know, obviously LeBron's always up there. So it's those two battling. So a little bit of that because I know LeBron has been kind of screwed over some years and he really wants that MVP. And, um you know, they, LeBron was able to play. They weren't. So that was a little bit of a jab, but then also it was a bigger jab or maybe a haymaker thrown at the, you know, the Adam Silvers and the guys that are up there deciding it uh, to have an all-star weekend, considering that the season started so quickly. So, you know, that's just what, you know, part of, you know, LeBron is very, very, uh, you know, thoughtful, but he's very, very smart how he's trying to get his message across or messages across. And he's not afraid to say what other people think or what the majority of people or meaning, you know, his, you know, obviously whether it's his teammates or everybody else in the NBA uh, wants to get across. So it's, uh, it'd be interesting to see how it goes and how the season ends up as far as who this weekend supposedly affects, but then how they come out of the gates uh, considering there wasn't a lot of time off. Yeah. I thought it's interesting that to me coming out of this all-star weekend um, and kind of moving through it, the two biggest storylines to me, um, and this is different kind of than most years, were should they even be playing the game slash why are they doing this and the craziness of All-Star being in Atlanta. And I think that both of those things in a way are kind of linked because I think that part of why LeBron and a lot of players, honestly, and he was really just one that has enough clout to say it, um, almost all of them probably felt it like he did about, you know, they didn't really want to be there. But, but I think part of that is, is, like you said, hey, the owners have basically said they weren't going to have this. Then you're going to make us do it. But then we're going to be have it in Atlanta in a city that we all love to go to, right? Um, and people are known to go down there and go party, but we can't do it because of everything going on, obviously, with COVID. But then the NBA was trying to crack down on that um, and try to take away the parties, even though I wonder how successful they were at that, if you were kind of keeping them off the books or whatever. But I just think that those were the two kind of dominant storylines of the weekend. And I thought once they started the skills competition and stuff, it kind of looked lackadaisical at first. That dunk competition was kind of trash. Like, it was fun to see um, Steph win a three-point contest because when he gets going, that's what it looks like, right? Um, and so that that was the, probably the best part um, about the skill stuff. But then the game was the game. Um, but then you had all of the kind of craziness surrounding it where you see, you know, people coming down, sleeping in U-Hauls just to be around it. Um, you, could, you saw the footage on social media of people partying and acting crazy anyway. Um, so it, it was just kind of a weird week weekend in in probably one of two cities or maybe three if it it could have been Atlanta Vegas maybe New Orleans would have been kind of the the three big ones that like I'm sure the players would want to go to but not under these circumstances 
Yeah, and it, and also with the you know the COVID issues down there with Atlanta, it's not the the best place to go down there either. Yeah, that's you know? true. And, too. and yeah. so, yeah, they're they, you know they they had protocols for them not to be out there, but then at the same time, uh, there's still a you know a, exposure down there. And then let's not forget, Atlanta is known for all the people going down there. If you've seen some of the the tweets and on Instagram, you know the stories, they are robbing people left and right. <laughs> they are stealing. It, they're known Atlanta is known if people don't out there don't know they're known for whether it's having you know when the Super Bowl is down there all-star weekend or any type of big like party weekend people that drive somewhat even nice cars or even you know anything they'll just leave your your car on blocks and take your rims that's what Atlanta is known for so there's a lot that goes into it it's interesting that it was Atlanta maybe they were already you know predetermined uh, to do it but you'd like to think that they would use Atlanta for a city when they really really could you know, have an all-star weekend. So, um, you know, it's one of those things they had to, you know, sometimes, you know, when you are a player, you got to, you know, take it on the chin. They, they did take it on the chin and look, the NBA and the NBA's player association have a really, really good relationship. Um, this is something that to keep an eye on, cause you got to think they, they had a little bit of a risk of when they were going to start the season uh, yep. because obviously the NBA wanted them out there as soon as possible. Obviously the players association, I think wanted to even started in January so that was the first one. Then they, okay, we, 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 we started the season early and we're going to hit you with the all-star game. So it's going to be interesting to see when the next big issue comes up, uh, who comes out on top. But uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't all look until everybody's vaccinated or we're back to somewhat normal, which I don't think we'll ever get back to normal. Uh, what we had before, it was still going to, you know, it's in people's, it's going to be in people's minds for quite some time. Um it, you know, you're going to have to be able to adjust. And it's just, you know, the NBA is just trying to, you know, they're in survival mode. They got to make money back after a year that, you know, you know, they obviously I'm assuming lost, you know, a pretty penny. So they're trying to get back, you know, some of the money that they lost and try to get back to some normalcy. So as the season goes on, it's going to be interesting. If things start to open up a little bit more, yeah. uh, how many fans are going to be there and how it changes scheduling, right? Because, you know, now they're maybe spreading things out, but do they, you know, get more back-to-back games? You know, what do they change that a little bit? And do they add in the games that were canceled or, or postponed from, you know, earlier in the season? I think it's been 31 games. So uh, there's a lot of leeway there for the NBA to kind of, you know, get it started. Do they throw out the rule of having eight guys if everybody's vaccinated? Uh, so there's some things that to keep an eye on moving forward uh, and to see how, one, it affects the players on the court, and then two, how it affects their relationship with the the NBA and the NBA's Players Association. Oh, there are some man, it's a fascinating uh, kind of, and I don't know if we can say fights, but just discussions that are on the way. And I do think that you hit two of the really big ones. Um, the thing about fans, and that won't necessarily be a players association versus the owner situation, but the owners will definitely want that as things do start to open up. And as you see kind of, as you see other sports announcing, like baseball, for example, has different, um, so I think Chicago, I think I just saw this headline where Chicago is going to have 20% capacity for baseball, and like different baseball teams have, have announced different stuff. I think LA County has been kind of going through different tiers and they're getting closer to being able to open things up um, so it would not surprise me if you end up with fans at some point by the playoffs um, to at least generate that revenue and have a, a normal um, ish playoff right um, but I think the thing that's coming and this is something that I think that as people were very excited and still are very excited about vaccinations and that helping to get people closer 
to normal life, you can start to see it. We've seen little comments from players about, hey, it's a personal choice on whether or not I get vaccinated. Adam Silver is saying, hey, maybe we can figure out a way to get everybody in the NBA vaccinated. Like, I think that that's your next kind of battle um, between the players, because I don't know, and this has happened at, in, in businesses all across America, it's a much bigger discussion than just sports, um, but just about whether or not you can have make people get the vaccine or like just is, can you just kind of convince them to do it because it would be in the best interest of everybody. Um, and if you can actually make them do it, like, I think that that's the next thing. Uh, Cause I actually think speaking of LeBron, I think he said over the weekend that it's, it's just, it's a personal choice. It's a personal matter. Um, so we'll kind of see where that one goes. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, there's, there's apprehension, app- apprehension, you know, among players. I think they even had, you know, a meeting, you know, to for, you know, they had, you know, independent doctors to come in and explain the vaccination to, to some of the NBA players or some teams have done it. And it's something that's going to, you know, education is going to be, uh, you know, not only, you know, for the masses, for everybody, but then also, you know, these these athletes, you know, their bodies or how they get paid. There's apprehension, obviously, from African-Americans, from obviously the stuff that happened before. Uh, you know, even though it was a long time ago, but it's not so long ago that they don't uh, know about it and can't read about it. Um, And, you know, there isn't enough, you know, I guess, results from people that have had the vaccination, you know, know, and then you don't know what to believe. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, how they go about it, um, and how if they can really force the hand of players to to do so. And, you know, that's going to come down to, you know, you know, it might be a legal battle, it might be a you know, a team choice. It might be based on your state and how they govern things, you know, and it might be varied by state by state, you know, then you could even go a step farther if you want to do conspiracy things. Well, that could affect where you go in free agency, uh, you know, next year and X, Y, and Z. And maybe one organization is a little bit more lenient and one's not. And so, um, you know, that's the next big thing. Um, It's going to be interesting. I think the NBA has always been, I would say this, I'd be very surprised if Adam Silver isn't out in front of this. He's, He's very, very, um, thoughtful and, and at the forefront of doing things for the betterment of the league and the players. I, I don't think he's going to sit on his hands and not talk to not only the N- NBA player association leadership, but, you know, obviously the star players, the LeBron James, the uh, Kevin Durant, the, you know, the Chris Pauls, you know, the, the guys that are, you know, been through, you know, the, the grind with the NBA, been a part of this, you know, generation of really taking it to the next level. But then also those guys are the leadership, you know, of the league and the face of the league. Um, so they're going to, he's going to take all their, you know, their thoughts into it and, and try to come up with a plan that's for the betterment of the league, obviously, but then also for the players as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that'll, yeah, that, that will just be a really interesting thing because you're talking about like free agency advantages potentially down the road, but like it really just for a short term thing, it could really actually be an availability like in the season and in the playoff situation, right? Like if you, if you're, if you can convince your entire team to be vaccinated, it just greatly, greatly reduces the chance that any of them have been going to miss games. Right. And if that, what if you get to the point to where like you're in the first round of the playoffs and the star player on the opposing team has to miss games due to the protocols um, and contact tracing, like, well, if he's been vaccinated, that wouldn't have happened. Right. So like that sort of stuff can be really interesting. And you know how it goes with competitive advantages in sports. Like, I think that that's what it will maybe ultimately come down to, but that'll definitely be something 
to kind of keep an eye on moving forward. Um, now, shifting gears a little bit, I think maybe for the first time in a very long time, we have a, a commitment to talk about for the Huskers. I, it's like back in my wheelhouse. I'm feeling good here. Let's break that down. Over the weekend, Nebraska got their first uh, 2022 uh, commitment from Columbus, uh, Nebraska linebacker Ernest Hausman. He's a three-star out of Columbus High School. Uh, he's probably about 6'3", 205, 210. But I, I wanted to get into something specific with Jay uh, about this because Ernest has played outside linebacker and wide receiver mostly during his high school career. When I talked to him yesterday um, for the stories I did um, on hillvarsity.com with him, he talked about he's been primarily recruited by Barrett Rude, and that would be his future position coach, obviously, to play inside linebacker. So my specific question for you, Jay, is what is what if you've had a chance to look at his film or if you've heard about him, what is it that makes a kid project more to inside linebacker versus outside and how do you get a jump start on starting to play that position at the high school level if you have not yet and you're going to do it in college uh one well, I, I what first thing I look at is I want to see his closing speed and, and now I see you know playing receiver and I think he might even play a little corner uh you know he, he's a he's a really really good athlete so yeah. You know, that's right there. He checks the boxes there so he can come in and out of his breaks. You want to see how he, you know, is able to go from point A to point B with no wasted steps. If you watched his huddle tape, it's, it's pretty, pretty apparent that he has uh, that, that and then some. And then what I mean by that, he has a, a plenty of room to grow. Uh, and then you want to look at body type, right? You, you know, you might be 6'3", but you have short arms. Are you 6'3 and have long arms? Or, you know, do you have a long torso from, you know, from waist down or waist up? So you want to look at that type of stuff. And then also you want to see how you, you know, ultimately for me is how you can use your hands and the type of plays that you make. Right. So if you're more of a straight line guy, uh, when you just kind of run in there and blow things up and in and, and the quarterback or running back is in your way and you, you know, you're more of an outside linebacker guy when you can make plays in space, which he can, uh, then you can play more of an inside. And for him, you know, learning how to take on blocks and stuff like that, that's going to, you know, in high school, you, you're never going to be good at it because you're, you know, you're not going to be at the college level because you're not playing against college players, right? So that's right. something that he's going to learn while he gets into group work and learn from Barrett Root and the guys that have been there. Uh, but this football instincts and, and being so young and so new to the game of football, uh, he's a guy that you you know that you can really – it's almost having like a blank canvas and you can just kind of mold him like a like a thing of clay. And so he doesn't have – you know, he, he doesn't have a ton of bad habits. He doesn't have a ton of bad coaching. I think he's been coached pretty well. Uh, the fact that, you know, he plays on both sides of the ball, played receiver, uh, what I'd also like, he's going to be able to diagnose routes as well. So you right. want somebody when they're talking about, you know, a skinny post or bang eight or don't, you know, take the cheese on a flat route, you know, he's able to do that. And one thing that I really, really like is that when he's played outside linebacker, he can drop really well. So that helps when he goes into inside linebacker, he's able to cover space. He's not afraid to play in space. So then he brings another dynamic to your team where you get a playmaker athlete or a superior athlete that's able to match up against running backs, a little bit of slot receivers. And then he's big enough or will be big enough to, to really handle big physical tight ends. You know, he's six, three, and you know, you're going to maybe get him up to two twenty five. you know, at the, you know, in the first year or two, he's going to be able to anchor down against there against the uh, tight ends and he can run. And so, you know, it just for him, I think, he, you know, he's a three-star. You know, I think he's continues to prove they go to camp, so end up a four-star. Nebraska got a really big commit because he's – he's you're actually getting a player, and a, a player and a half, I like to call in recruiting. You get the guy that you recruited, and then you're getting a half another player that he's going to improve by the time he gets on campus. 
and then you're you're pretty much playing with house money. You got a three star recruit that's actually a four, and then depending on how he plays, he's going to turn into maybe a four or five. So it's a you know it's a good gift for Nebraska in state guy. I think it's the first one of 2020. Um, you know you, you had to, you know they got the linebacker up in uh, Omaha and uh, you know lineman from Central where they you know Nebraska to make their you know I think top five or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get Houseman who's, who's just as good and has a, maybe a little bit more upside. And, I'm, and listen here, I'm not hating on the young man from Burke because he's not Nebraska commit. I'm talking about more upside because he hasn't played as much football. He's a bigger kid, bigger frame. Um, and so it's th- that that's what I mean by upside. I mean, so uh, it's a good get for Nebraska. They should be happy. And then hopefully this opens the floodgates to getting some more, uh, you know, moving forward. Yeah, and one of the things, too, is you talk about kind of um, Houseman's potential to continue to move up the rankings and, like, his potential to continue to get better at, at, at his craft is I, I've begun really, in, in the job that I do as recruiting analyst, like, really paying a lot of attention to not just the offers that kids get, but are they getting offers from schools um, – that, that if you're a defender, a linebacker, do they play really good defense? Are they known for developing linebackers? Um, and are you getting um, offers from schools in the conference? And that's one of the right. things that really kind of stood out to me about Hausman is that, you know, he basically picked Nebraska over Iowa, um, Michigan, Northwestern, right? He also right. had a Minnesota offer and he had a Michigan State offer, right? And so I think it was six of the te- teams in the Big Ten he had offers from. And that's the kind of stuff that I really like. So, like, if Iowa and Michigan um, and Northwestern, obviously, too, in the division, who are very good at develop identifying and developing linebackers, if they were looking at him um, and were really seriously looking, and I know they were, um, I think that that's a great sign. Because sometimes, man, when you beat out – and it's, just, it's not 100% across the board because there are hidden gems out there. Um, but when you're beating out, you know, kind of random schools versus these schools that you beat out for Houseman, it, I think it should just make you even more excited as a fan um, to see what these kids can do. Well, yeah, I mean, the big school that I saw that, uh, you know, um, that that was, you know, a big deal was uh, Michigan State. Mel Tucker yeah, uh, is, is well-known. You know, look, Mel Tucker coming from, uh, you know, coach under Nick Saban, X, Y, and Z. Um, also, you know, coached at Colorado, you know, got a lot out of Colorado's linebackers and played a lot of freshmen and had them play really, really good, as we saw when Nebraska lost to him. Uh, defensive guy he played at areas coaching the NFL uh, look when he's offering and you know they got the Sparty dog mentality up there and they got the kind of grinders mentality they want you know it, that's a big offer throw in Northwestern it tells you two things academically he's right yep, but then yeah, absolutely look when you got Pat Fitzgerald that that knows how to look the head coach knows how to play the position has built the, his defense around excellent linebacker play uh, and you know knows what to look for. That's going to be in the Big Ten. That's a double check. So the Nebraska, it's a big get for Nebraska. Uh, they should be happy about it. And uh, you know, I'm sure they're ecstatic. And hopefully, you know, things open up here. You know, obviously get more commits. But he's if you want to start your recruiting class off in 2022, uh, in state or not. I mean, that's a guy that you want, and that's a the guy that fits in well. Guy that wants to be at Nebraska, which is really really big. You don't want somebody to say, hey. Um, I didn't have you in my first top eight, but then Nebraska starts winning. Okay. I'll come back in. You know, that's no different than a recruit. You didn't recruit me at the beginning. Now, now you want me. Right. You, you want that cuts both that, ways. Yeah. It goes both ways. And you want guys that are going to be there. And 
you can't fault kids. Look, I'll tell you this for you people out there. You can't fault Nebraska or kids to want to go to other places. Sometimes there's things that, you know, send kids or make one kids want to go to other States that has nothing to do with the coaching staff. That has nothing to do with whether they offered one, two or three of your kids. It's just the way that they want to do it and you can't fault them for it. And also it's, it's actually a good thing. The more people that come in here that want to look at what's happening in Nebraska, uh, let one, it's a good thing. It gives them more options, but two, you're going to, you, you're going to have more options to pick from and you can actually pick and choose. And you're not going to be, let's say like, I call it handicapped. Like, okay, well, this is a kid that we really don't want. Doesn't fit in our system, but he's from Nebraska and we got to take him. And he doesn't might not want to be here, but you know what? We got to take him because of the pressure. Now you have 10 choices. Then you can actually take the right choice that for a kid that's, I guess the marriage or relationship is there. He wants to be there. You want him there. Now, would Nebraska like to have every single recruit in 2022? Sure. Woods is going to be good. The kid at Burke's going to be good. Houseman's going to be good. You want to get them. But if they don't want to come, you can't make them come and you can't feel bad for it, especially if you recruited them and you offered them and you did everything you could to get them to go there. It might just not be their choice. Ultimately, it's up to them to make their choice right. And it's also up to Nebraska to make their choice wrong. And that's the great thing about it. Yeah, and that's that's what I think that's an important thing because as long as Nebraska is making an honest effort at it, and they are, it's not always, and they are in the case of all the kids that we're talking about. Like it, it it's fine. Like you're gonna have to. It's not fine. Like you don't want that to happen. You don't want those kids to go elsewhere, especially because they're going to go um, to other like big time schools, and you don't want to see that. But at the same time, if you're Nebraska, you can't like wallow in that right and be like oh man Deshaun Woods and Devin Jackson didn't have us in their top group uh, I guess our class is just screwed on March 8th right like or whatever actually the date it was, was a couple of weeks ago when they actually did that right, right. Um, and so you got to keep it pushing and there's still a path like to Nebraska ending up you know, with a good recruiting class, because like, think about it, even with, you know, some of the misses, you know, like say this past recruiting cycle with Keegan Johnson and Avante Dickerson, they were two higher rated kids from the state um, that didn't come here. Nebraska still ended up with the top 20 class. Like, it doesn't mean that the class is doomed by any means, but you do, you want to get them. Um, but there's plenty of time for Nebraska to find other players to be able to fill those roles. And you are right that one of the things that has been, kind of, uh, I guess, underrated or overlooked about Nebraska building these recruiting classes is just how much kids want to be here. And so it doesn't matter if you're getting a bunch of four stars, but the kid does, but the kid transfers out in the year, right? Like if he's no longer right. here, it doesn't matter. That's not helping your team at all. So you've got to also just find a way to have kids that want to be here, want to get better, want to help turn it around and then get it going. But something specifically, I also wanted to make sure to mention about Hausman real quick is that one of the things we talked about a bunch so far with him, it's just his athleticism, being able to play multiple positions in high school on both sides of the ball to me, to my very untrained eye and, but still talking to people about these things, it feels like Nebraska is actively trying to get more athletic at the inside linebacker position. And they want to stop seeing what we've seen over the last couple of years. And not as much last year, it got better last year, but the year before it in particular, where teams seem to be out isolated and identifying the inside linebackers to throw on and try to get them in coverage it feels like they're really trying to address that yeah I mean look they have to and they have to they understand that being more athletic in the, in the inside linebacker position 
is one is the way that games change because because obviously the tight end position is obviously starting to rule the roost here. But then also being more athletic is actually going to give you more options on defense. It's going to allow you to blitz more, cover more. And you can be even more, I guess, confusing on defense because you're not bringing in guys, uh, you know, off the sidelines because you're able to keep the same unit on. Then you can open up your blitz package. Obviously, you want to be able to stop the run. And then also it's been a weakness that they've had uh, ever since they've been here. And it's being more athletic in the, in the inside linebacker position. If you look at just in the Big Ten, right, if you look at, Look at Penn State, I think, was one of the better defenses. And then you look at Ohio State. If you look at their, their linebackers and athletic, they are as athletic as they are then compared to where we're at uh, with the guys that are playing, say, when Scott's first or second year, it's night and day, right? Um, and so they just know that they need to improve it, and I think he can do it. And, um, you know, you don't have to be 245 pounds and stuff like that. You can be 225 and be athletic as long as you're strong and physical and be able to do stuff. But it gives you more options, more speed. The game is a, is a game trying, they're trying to isolate you and play in space, but you also got to be able to come downhill and crack some heads. So, um, you know, like I said, I keep saying it's a good get. It's good for, look, for a fan, you need to be excited that Nebraska is going to actually, is going out there and making adjustments. You get what I'm saying? They're not yep. just recruiting the same guy. We talked about it, you know, maybe at the very beginning we started doing this podcast, how they change up the, the, the type of receivers that they're, they're recruiting as yeah, far as, you know, right. They knew right away we can't have these like little water bugs in here and think we're going to survive. So you need some guys, you know, six feet and above that are able to, you know, get downfield, be physical, be able to block and stuff like that. Because this is a big boy football. It's no different at the linebacker position. And uh, you got to be athletes. They're out there and you might have to develop them. You might have to get a guy that's 200 pounds, 205, get him in the weight room, make sure he still stays flexible and, and explosive and improve even on his speed and quickness that he had before all while putting good weight on them. And that's just the way it's got to be. Uh, Nebraska's not getting the Alabama guys that they're coming out there and they're already what I've mentioned before, ready to go. Uh, so you got to, you know, you got to find a different way to, uh, you know, you know, peel the orange or, you know, skinny cat or whatever the, you know, the analogy you want to use. Yeah, for real. And, and, and I do think that that is worth noting that they have definitely adjusted um, on the fly and they are trying to get the thing going. Um, you just have to see. You just, I mean, the the plan makes sense. <laughs> they just have to execute it, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, look, every year, you know, this is the way it goes. You, you got to, you're, you're forecasting who's going to have a good year, who you want to step up, uh, what guys that are coming in that you expect them to play, where he projects you know, at, you know, at this next level, which is college, will he be ready to play? Uh, how soon will he be ready to play? Yes. You got to hit on recruits, but you got, look, part of like having a good recruiting class, you don't know what you have until you're in like year three or four. Right. And so, um, and part of having a good recruiting class in year three or four is, is getting guys that want to be there and want to actually improve on their football skills and actually yeah, want it out to get, there. <laughs> it, well, stick it out. It, well, one thing, here's the, here's the thing with kids now. They like getting recruited more than they like getting coached. That's the thing. That's the thing about the transfer portal that's so dangerous, right? Oh, I got recruited. Uh, you know, coach showed me love, this, this, and this. I get here and I actually have to work. I got to be up on time. I got to be there to work out. And there's actually guys that are just as good as me. And actually a lot of them are bigger, faster, and stronger, right, than I am right now. And I actually got to, you know, work for my position. Okay, I'll jump in the transfer portal and have some, you know, lower-level college recruit me at the same time. And then you got to do the same thing when you're there. So, Yes, the ability to stick it out is is going to be um, – won't be such a big problem when you have guys that want to be there, right? This is something that, that, that they want to do. 
whether you say, hey, you want to be ready be a part of the big red turnaround? Do you want to be part of, you know, the group that, you know, started the winning tradition X, Y, and Z? You know, I would just say, do you want to go and take advantage of a huge opportunity that could, in a lot of ways, set you up for the rest of your life? Not just going to the NFL, right? You could, you could have a big impact at the University of Nebraska in your four or five years and not step foot on the NFL field because you could cement yourself in the university of being a good player, part of something that's obviously bigger than you. And then they have the ability to come back, either work at the university or get a job in the state of Nebraska. That, I mean, that's really what, what you're what you're looking at. And you have to see beyond, you know, year one, practice one, first month. You got to see two or three years down the road and you got to see somebody that uh, you can compare yourself to or actually that you want to beat out to get to the point that I just mentioned before. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that wise words that we get, I wrote something about that on the site last week, is that you have to be able to understand, A, that when you enter that portal, it's not necessarily going to be like it was when you got recruited. Um, you are almost always going to have lower level schools than what you were being recruited at out of high school coming after you. And in a lot of cases, if you had, had been a little mentally tougher to stick it out um not in all cases but a lot um things would have worked out for you and you would have learned a valuable lesson um as well now every week we end the show with a segment called put them on blast where we basically put somebody on blast for something that they did or said put them on blast this week i'm going with somebody that i think surprisingly we might not have used before i know i haven't and i'm actually surprised that we've gone this far into the show without and that's Stephen a smith um, I'm going to put him on blast uh, for saying that Dame Willard needed to leave Portland to be appreciated all while he is the man at ESPN and he's ignoring what Dame Willard did in the All-Star game last night. If for some reason you missed it, Dame Willard last night had uh, 32 points and made eight threes in the All-Star game last night, including essentially a half-court shot uh, to end the game, uh, which is really cool. You had Steph Curry coming out on the court doing Dame's like wave goodbye that he did to Oklahoma City. Sorry, Derek Peterson, noted Oklahoma City fan, my colleague over at Hill Varsity. Um, but I find it interesting for two reasons. One, I, I like Dane Willard a lot. Like I've always secretly hoped that he could be on the Lakers and that would be great. Um, but I also think it's very cool that he's tried to stick it out with Portland and just make them better. Even year after year, people pick against Portland making the playoffs. It feels like and every year they make it every year. They're pretty dangerous. Um, they had that really good run a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, they just haven't been able to get over that hump. And I, and I wish for him that they could find a way to do that. I don't know if he needs to leave necessarily, but I also think that a person that really helps to control that narrative, Stephen A. being one of ESPN's top employees, um, could just do more to promote Dame Lillard, who we all see as, as one of the greats in the game right now. Yeah, Stephen A. is, 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 is very, it's very funny how he uses his platform, right? He, he'll use it for... Uh, when he was all in on Kawhi and Paul George and then, you know, LeBron's getting taken over. Then he then he moved to KD coming back. Uh, Dame Lillard has been putting in work in, a, I guess, a small market in Portland, doing some things that nobody ever thought that he could do with that type of team and organization up there. And the best that he came up with is that he has to leave. Where would he go? I guess, you, you know, you've heard rumors, maybe the Lakers, but ultimately he should use his platform, his leadership and his name to really shed light on the things that he's doing. He's doing it harder than anybody else. Yes, you got, you know, C.J. McCollum, but he's not, you know, a Clay Thompson. He's not really a Draymond in his, you know, Draymond's role. He's not an Anthony Davis. He's not a 
Kyrie and then, you know, obviously James Harden as far as what KD has. He's literally doing it with a really, really good player as his, as his co-partner, but not a superstar. Um, and, you know, what type? if you know and read about Damian Lillard, he's very loyal. And so to suggest that actually uh, c- comes back to you as you're doing like easy, that's the easy option, right? That's like somebody says, oh, I'm going to, you know, quit and, and, and maybe try to go to a better team and, and you know, like kind of like a James Harden, I'm not going to stick it out. Or Damian Lillard, Lillard, Lillard really thinks that he can make a big run in Portland and do some great things up there. So uh, Stephen A, what, he is the biggest voice in, in sports media, especially when it comes to the NBA. Uh, he should have had a better solution than that and should have gave Damian Lillard a little bit more respect because uh, he's a guy that's true and true. And he's, you know, he's from the town in Oakland and he's not going to, you know, just, you know, sell Portland out uh, just like that and, and take the easy route out, which really Stephen A dogged LeBron for it, then kind of gave KD, well, he got on KD a little bit, gave him a pass yeah. and then really yeah. didn't hit James Harden and all these, and, and he didn't hit Kawhi Leonard up as hard as he hit uh, LeBron and KD. Now he's suggesting that somebody do it, but when he's actually suggested that they, these stars shouldn't do it up until this point. So it's kind of, I call it playing tennis, double talking, and uh, you're never right and you're never wrong. So um, yeah, you're right for putting them on blast. And so now, who I'm, I was going to just double down on basketball and put Blake Griffin on, on blast because <laughs> he's enjoying the Lakers. And, yeah. you know, that, you know, for a guy that wants to come off the bench and, and hang out with DeAndre Jordan. It's kind of a weak move, but I can see it going with the Nets. And obviously with the way the Lakers injury situation, I can understand that. But I'm not going to put him on blast so since I let you, uh, you know, you know, cover, you know, the basketball. Well, I'm going to go over to the UFC. And this guy's been popping off to John Jones, who is probably the, the GOAT of UFC fighting. He's the best of all time. He's kind of on a little hiatus, kind of just chilling. Is Israel uh, a, a Desenza, who's always been chirping at John Jones, thought he was just going to have a cakewalk. And his championship fight, moving up the middleweight, didn't put enough weight on, right? Stayed around 190, 185, fighting a bigger guy that was that weighed in at 205. His fighting weight was 220. And if you saw it, I just saw the highlights. Uh, but he just got suffocated and destroyed. And now the fight's off, right? So you've been chirping for two, you know, two or three years. You want John Jones, you're the greatest of all time. You want to beat him. And then you couldn't beat the guy that you were the odds on favorite. I think you were plus three or four hundred to beat him. Uh, you know, of course, Vegas, and you're trying to fight the greatest of all time. And obviously, John Jones says, I'm imagining that super fight is off the table, no more distractions. And so, you know, John Jones is the ultimate troller. But then when you when you talk so much and disrespect John Jones, and disrespect how he's obviously built up the sport for him to be successful. Uh, now you come back and you lay an egg. Now you don't even get your your dream match against John Jones. And uh, so I'm putting them on blast because you never, ever count your chickens before they hatch. You never take an opponent lightly. And, uh, you know, he took, obviously, uh, his opponent lightly, and he lost the middleweight belt, and he lost a lot of respect from John Jones uh, and a little bit in the UFC ranking. So I'm putting him definitely on blast. Especially you never take opponents um, lightly, especially in that sport of all sports, because you just never know, man. Like those dudes are pro fighters, too. Like you just never know what's going to happen, which has always had always been kind of my favorite thing about the UFC. Like, yeah, there's like really dominant people like John Jones has been uh, like Amanda Nunez is who, who won again over the weekend um, and others. But like 
still, even in those runs of dominance, like you just never know that one punch that lands just right or that one kick or you slip up and you get caught in that chokehold um, and it's all over for you. So that's why I'm even more surprised that somebody would do that in that sport. Yeah, you can get caught slipping and you and you could be you could be, you know, 19 and 0 and fighting a guy that's, you know, 16 and 2 or, you know, 14 and 4. And he might have been fighting, you know, better, you know, opponents or he just went back to the lab and got a new coach or, you know, it's just not your night and you get caught slipping. And when you get caught slipping, you get put to sleep. And, uh, you know, that's what he did. He couldn't handle the bigger man and he, and he got manhandled. And John Jones is a big dude uh, that, you know, that has to work extremely hard to make weight. So, you know, I think it probably, you know, cemented that he's not going to get a title shot. But it's just I had to put him on blast because uh, he wanted it. And he couldn't get to do that last test before you get to the, you know, to meet your maker. And, uh, you know, you, when you chirp and you, and you cross the line of just promoting yourself, uh, you know, sometimes it comes back to bite you. Those, those sports guys are no joke. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That's, that's a good spot to leave it for today. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast everywhere that you listen to them. Uh, rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I am inclined to think that you are a hater. Uh, make sure that you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, More To It, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. You can also check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page where I did a, a video again this morning and a recruiting question of the week. And you can email the show at straightupbreakdown at hailvarsity.com or you can find us on Twitter at GregSmithHV and at Foreman5644. We will catch you next time. A Media Production.